Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to talk about what isn't going digital. I have to say, Miles, this piques my interest. You know I love new technology, so when I hear the word digital, you have my attention. And I'm really interested to learn what isn't going digital in this day and age. You know, when we interviewed you, you talked about your technology chops, and you talked about the first internet-in-a-box experience. Oh, oh my gosh, I will never forget that. Yeah, it was. It was the internet came in a box with a, a board that we had to put in and and hook up. And oh my gosh, I was so excited when I could finally get to the Louvre. Anyway, enough with my technology. What isn't making it to digital is an important question, and one you should know and care about in order to sustain your business. Transitions are important times in an organization's life cycle, and not all transitions are planned. So true. I mean, there are deaths, terminations, extended illnesses, even new owners can arise unexpectedly. Pandemics. Pandemics. Right. And those remaining on the scene can find themselves under pressure to find information that, had there been robust systems in place, would surely have been easy to find. Or would it? Well, why wouldn't it? Because tribal knowledge is different from institutional knowledge. The institutional knowledge is recoverable, easily findable, indexed, filed, backed up as part of the organization's quality and management operating systems. However, there are informal classes of knowledge, usually not documented, but critical to operational success, and these are often not stored in an easily retrievable manner even if they are stored at all. So we need to ask ourselves, what knowledge in our organizations qualifies as tribal rather than institutional knowledge? Yes, and here are five suggestions to start your thinking. The first is craft practices. A craft practice is a way of doing something developed by a practitioner over time. It evolves into the best way to perform that particular task. Yes, everyone in your shop has to demonstrate that they can properly regrind a drill before they get to move up to the next grade level or a rating level as a machinist. All right, help me out. Doesn't craft practices fall under standard work? Well, they do, but we all know there's one person who, when you have that job, that, that difficult runner, Everyone goes to see that guy with their drill to have it sharpened their way. Know what I mean? I know what you mean. The standard work instructions might say to do X, but the instructions somehow leave out and then snug it with an extra quarter turn or drag the insert across the bench and then wipe or how to consistently get the preload right or who knows what kind of things are are out there locked in the hands of our very experienced performers. Craft practices add value every day. They are not captured in electronic records. Okay, so it's something a performer figured out and they just keep doing it and others may know about it, but it's never actually been documented. 
it kind of reminds me, I was always taught to keep a hit by the bus binder. It's, it's a horrible name. And if, heaven forbid, I get hit by a bus, somebody could pick it up and see how, what, and when I did things. It's easy to assume someone else would figure it out, but that may not be true. So what's next? Institutional values. When I was visiting a shop, and I've got to visit a lot of shops prior to 2020, we were treated to a company that had rediscovered its founder's vision. That vision, it turned out, was extremely helpful to the new generation as they tried to adjust their approach to this current time and this current market. Did I hear you right? They found it? They found it. It brings to mind the questions that our audience needs to ask. Where are the founding notes from your company? Where are the notes that detail the original strategies, the owner's plans, their dreams, the earliest records? Are they retrievable? Are they legible? That is a great point. I mean, my handwriting stinks, but I also write in cursive, which I'm told may be a lost art or a secret code here sooner rather than later. But since many of our companies at this point were founded before the digital age, the founding information could very well be handwritten somewhere. Right. And finding that founding vision and strategies can truly be the equivalent of the family jewels in a change of control situation. Each organization needs to determine who is the keeper of the traditional values of the founder's culture. This is really interesting. All right. So what else won't be digital? Domain knowledge. Hmm? Domain knowledge. Every shop, every shift has that one authority that you can ask that remembers. The last time we ran that material, we ground extra hook into the tool because it ran easy to cut. Or a hundred other details, maybe a thousand other details. Some of that knowledge is in their head. Some of it is in their notebook of lessons learned or apprentice notes that they keep updating. So they may not be able to show you official written records of all they know. But then what happens when they retire or leave? Well, that's exactly right. That knowledge leaves when they do if you don't find a way to share, if they don't have it written down in a notebook and nobody knows where that notebook is. Oh, that would be tragic loss. Another non-digital concern is unwritten policies. Unwritten policies may be in your company, or they may be those of your supplier and you had no idea. For example, when I was in the steel industry, I created an internal policy regarding both grain size and sulfur content that my plant supplied to our hot rolled steel purchases. Our cold finished bar customers did not know that when they ordered from us, we had already optimized our steel specs for machining based on those policies. Hmm, did the customer go to someone else? Well, when they did go to someone else, if that supplier didn't order based on the same policies as I did, the folks in the shop suddenly had issues to solve as chips went from short pieces into tangled nests and tool failure rates increased substantially due to edge wear or build-up edge. Uh-huh, so what can our listeners take from that? Well, on that case, someone on your team should be looking at incoming material certs to find out what it is there in front of you 
but that you don't know. Proprietary coatings that are coyly called standard by your suppliers may be another unwritten factor to your shop's success. Great. All right. Do we have anything else? Yes. Data. Ah, data. One of your favorites. Data. What is the normal expectancy for? Just fill in the blank there. In the old days, somebody knew. And they knew it in relation to the specific supplier, material, tool, or application. Today, everyone mistakenly thinks that Google and YouTube have the answers. Google and YouTube do have some cool stuff. Right. But actual intelligence and inferences about your situation? Not on Google. Not on YouTube. Who, in your organization, is the hoarder, the keeper, if you will, of all of your past sales brochures, pamphlets, spec sheets, giveaways? Ooh, I know the answer to that one, because if anybody saw your office, they would know it's you. Which is why PMPA members call me regularly, because they know we have the secrets that never made it to digital. Old handbooks, data tables, and decades of industry experience. And that does not get digitized easily. Although we are currently working on a way to get that done for our PMPA members, but in the meantime, it's not digital. You can't Google it. And for our members, it may be member-only access as well. If it did get digitized, who is responsible to know it's available? Who is supposed to know what we don't know, <laughs> as well as where it lives? We all need to consider what treasures we are liable to lose because we aren't maintaining them. It's up to all of us to solve this. We like to think that we are living in a modern age of digital connection and enlightenment. The question is, will our grandchildren think that we were the ones who lost all the knowledge when all of the print materials disappeared? Will they think of us as the anonymous souls of the last dark age. Oh, I hope not. I hope not, too. What are some action steps that we can take? One, collect all your company's old publications, catalogs, brochures, scan them, get them digitally archived. Two, go to your key positions. You know, your top performers, in engineering, in quoting, in the tool room, and ask them for the resources that they use daily, that they rely on, that are not part of your actual formal systems. Get those copied and scanned, digitally archived, and also ask them who else should know this stuff. Three, identify likely successors for these same key positions and have them and the incumbents take a guided tour of these resources. Why we use these resources, when we use these resources, not just this is what it is. Finally, figure out how repurposing some of this classic content can be used to position you and your company as even more of an expert with your customers. I can definitely see the value of mining the material, especially to better connect with your customers and to see the knowledge truly become widespread throughout your team. That wraps up today's podcast on what isn't making it to digital. 
We hope you found something of value in what we shared. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. Yes, and while you're on pmpa.org, you can check out our new website with robust search features that find articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources to help your precision machining business. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You don't want to miss it. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership so important, Miles? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.